this is Brock and Salk. Brock Ewart is my hero. Jay Buter just punched me in the kidney. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. On Seattle Sports. What we're going to do, you are a man. Doesn't really work that way, Sherm. This is a show that has my name on it. It kind of does, though. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen and Ballard. Now, here are your hosts, Brock Ewart and Mike Salk. Hello! You know, I hear that intro and I wonder, do you think Sherm's going to be jealous that this show still has my name on it, but Undisputed won't have his name on it? Whoa, whoa, whoa. You think he'll be jealous or do you think he'll go, well, I'm making multiple, multiple times the amount of money you are and being seen by many, many, many more people than you are. You think he'll he'll focus on that better than yours. My life's better than yours. What are you making per year? Okay, I make that for show. Right. I like, like those apples. <laughs> Probably true. <laughs> All right, Good maybe Wednesday. I don't want to go Good down Wednesday that road. to you, kid. How yeah. are you? Me? Yeah, how you doing, man? Brock, things have turned. <laughs> We're in the middle of the run. Yep. It's all happening right now. And and I was saying a, an hour ago that I don't I don't know about you, but I'm watching that game last night, and it's tied 0-0, or it's one nothing, and I just felt totally good with it. Like, oh, they're going to find a way to win this game. Mm-hmm. Just watching them and just the confidence. And, you know, I heard Scott talk about it yesterday. I was over at the ballpark and heard him talking about how, you know, seventh inning of a game and guys are just in the dugout right now going, come on, let's bleep and win this game. Let's go. They just have that, you know, com- I don't know what other word to use other than confidence. They know that they can do it. And once you have that knowledge and have that confidence, everything seems to fall into place. Is that just winning begets winning? Is that a little bit of this year, just like losing begets losing? Just like when things go wrong and you just no one can quite squeeze out that hit, get that hit versus, oh, somebody's going to deliver, right? And, and I'm not looking for somebody else to do it. It may be me, but just the confidence that we know how to do this. Mm-hmm. That a, a lot of us have been here. Uh, most of us on that run last season were right here. Our pitching continues. I was just telling you before. <laughs> In that last break, Logan Gilbert's now third in this league with a whip of 1.02. That's amazing, right? Absolutely, astonishingly amazing, and maybe the best and, I've ever seen him last night. And for people who don't know what that means, that's walks and hits per innings pitched. Yes. Anytime you get near one, you're having a pretty darn good year. Yeah, there's one guy in all of baseball less than one. You, if you're around one, under one, you're a Cy Young candidate. I mean, it is that is a, a remarkable season. And truly, I, I think last night, was it was that the best Logan Gilbert you maybe it ever seen? It was certainly seen? the filthiest, I think I would say, right? I mean, on because July 4th, he went a complete game. I mean, like he he's did. been more economical, I guess, with his pitches. And I guess you could look at that and say that's more dominant. But last night was as filthy as I ever remember him. 12 strikeouts. That is a season best for anybody with the Mariners. Luis has had 11 a few different times. But to do that with just 100 pitches, to get through seven innings, it didn't take five. He's not having to bury guys. It's 3-2 count, 3-2 count, 3-2 count. Actually, I thought it was fairly economical for 12 strikeouts. So he's been, you know, awesome, third in the league. Well, there's, oh, excuse me, George Kirby, sixth. Oh, hold on a second. Luis Castillo's eighth. You have out of the top eight pitchers in baseball with one of the best stats, walks per hit and hits per innings pitched, really is a tremendous barometer and gauge of you commanding, doing that whole control the zone, which isn't just hitting, it's you pitching too. You're third, sixth, and eighth in all of baseball. And as you said, that is why the Toronto Blue Jays fans, and I see some on social media, they they don't want the Mariners to win. Let the Angels get hot. Let the Yankees get hot. Let the Red <laughs> right. Sox get hot. They don't want don't let those stickers get hot <laughs> right. because those guys can deal. 
And last night, man, Logan was phenomenal. Well, yeah, I, I think that's really well said, Brock. And and as of this morning, just one game behind Toronto in the loss column. So, you know, with two months to go, they're basically right there. And, and now it becomes pretty close to a dead heat. What do you do down the stretch? What do you do in these final couple of months? You know, I, I, I do think it's a good time to come back to one of those old adages that we talk about a lot in baseball and kind of threw this into a column last night, salesports.com. I wrote a weird column last night. I don't even know if I want to promote it. What kind of mood were you in? I don't know. Uh, introspective, I guess I would uh-huh. say. I was talking uh-huh. to my wife, and Heather kind of had this suggestion about bias, and so I ended up writing about it. I don't know if it's good or not, and you might read it and think I'm a jerk, or you might read it and be oh. like, yeah, that's absolutely right. Okay. I don't know, but I, I did write about it last night. In any event, as I was writing, I, I kind of recalled this old adage that we've talked about before, maybe forgot for a little while, and that is a baseball season's divided into three segments and in the first third of the year you assess who you are in the middle third you tinker and make changes and try to fix whatever those problems are and in the last two months of the season you go with the your real team and it does seem as if that's kind of what's happened here and along the way they didn't play well in the first third they fixed some of the problems they had or in some cases guys just started playing better they yeah. made those adjustments, and now you've got a team that seems to be ready to ready to take on these last two months. Yep, nope, I think I don't think that's terribly philosophical at all. I think that, that part's is actually, not. No, it was the other no. stuff. Oh, that was just a small. Part. That was just a small oh, piece of the column. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, okay. So that was the baseball adage stuff. That yeah, was the baseball <laughs> adage was normal. It was the other uh, stuff that led up to it that was kind oh, of oh, okay. kind of weird. No. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and it's pretty. It really is pretty amazing to see just some of these components that, and this isn't to, to beat the drum, like this is the team that we thought they were. This is the team that you were counting on. The, hey, man, it is baseball. And when it, when it happens and how it comes together and how it all happens, you know, we have seen this, right, just the last couple seasons, how difficult, like the stock market, it is to predict. But, man, when Dylan Moore just gives you what he is capable of, right, and, and he has been awesome this last month. Don't don't diminish what he has done, and certainly the Murph has been tremendous. Those role players, but man, how can last night? As much as Logan's filthiness define the night, how could Julio showmanship? <laughs> that awesome? Not take top center stage. What did you think? Did you think he caught it in well, real time? I did in real time. I was like, oh no, oh 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 oh, he's got it. And then, I mean, he waited so freaking long that at some point you're like, okay, I guess he doesn't have it, right? Straight away center. Julio gauging, looking, jumping, and he did not get it. Oh, he did get yeah, it. He, did, oh, he it. did get it. Oh, man, you want to talk about psych. Tatis went into his home run trap routine. Brock, Tatis was halfway to third. Did Dave Sims just pull out psych? Psych. Psych. That- <laughs> he did. That's exactly. You know, I thought the same thing. Dude, that is perf. Yeah. That is so perf. That's perf. <laughs> you can't a, say that. Oh, you were out last you week. Dude, you Salk, missed the whole day that Brock tried to say what Salk, the cool kids are saying. He was Salk, in it. Salk, that's a hundo P right there, dog. It was bad. That was so good. What is happening right now? It was pretty sus. What just happened on this show? When he was hosting with Lefko, he was trying to say all the things that he thought the cool kids say all day. Are they saying those things or did Brock make them up? He brought back like Fleek. Fleek? (laughs) Why? What? Bro, bro, it was perf. And Sam's Sam's right there. It was was cringe. Psych! 
was so good. Psych is from the 80s, though. I know. Right? And Perf is what us like, cool kids say, dude. It's what we millennials say. <laughs> hey, man, you want some of my sandwich? Yeah. Psych. I mean, that's basically what Julio did last night. Brock, the millennials aren't even the kids anymore. Right, the millennials are like what we millennials say. Sorry. sorry. The millennials are in their late 30s. What are after the millennials? Gen Y? Z. Z? Yeah, Gen that would be Z. Z. Oh, that's what the Zers are saying, bro. <laughs> 100p showmanship out of Julio last night. And, and Dave Sims dropping the 1980s psych. psych. was so yeah, good. That was awesome. That was probably the coolest thing I, I've actually been on the field for. And it's funny, it crossed my mind for a couple seconds because I thought he caught it and I thought he was doing what he did. And then after like two seconds, I'm like, well, never mind. He would have shown it by now. And it felt like 10 or 20 seconds later out there. He finally shows it, and uh, it, it even got a laugh and smile from me out there, which is kind of hard to do. So um, it was pretty cool. Definitely happy he caught it. Oh, Logan liked it. I mean, Walter. He, he's not necessarily. I mean, Logan the broke character for a moment. <laughs> like that's how great that moment was. It was enough to make Logan Gilbert break character on the mound, which is uh, yeah. not easy to do. We'll talk to Jeff Passan coming up here at seven thirty, twenty minutes from now, about the suddenly red hot Mariners, and we'll continue to give Logan Gilbert his due. Plus, roster move, and it is a big one that will have major, major implications on tonight's game and beyond. So stick around. You'll hear about it and everything you need to know next. Brock and Salk, CL Sports on 710. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. It really was a spectacular outing yesterday for Logan Gilbert. As good as he can be, he was just awesome. Struck out 12 and seven shutout innings. He allowed only one infield single. It wasn't an error. I mean, Dylan Moore didn't really have too much of a play on that ball. And I am generally for giving people errors when they're deserved. I think Mm -hmm. that baseball's a little lax on that. Mm. But that's a hit. Unfortunately, uh, that was the one hit he gave up. But he was dominant. Gilbert stares home into the lineup. Here's a 3-2. Swing and a miss! An absolutely ridiculous slider. And it tears apart one Soto! It's the 12th strikeout tonight for Logan Gilbert. He has just set a new single-game career high. How about that? And the first golden sombrero of Juan Soto's mm. career as Matt Brash mm. got him. No, I'm sorry. Mm. It was Andres Munoz who got him in the ninth. Mm-hmm. By the way, we've talked so much about how good Logan Gilbert was last night. Did you watch Munoz? Has he always had that much arm side movement on his fastball? Mm. That ball was moving like 12 inches left to right. It was crazy. He was ridiculous last night. He was asked in the post game if it means more against his old team, and he he smiled and said no. Okay, <laughs> got it. Maybe it was sure. that. Maybe the filthiness stands out to me a little bit more. As you said, he had those two back to back shutouts, won a complete game because of who he did it against. And I know the Padres have not been very good, Salk, but it's like you know most of these lineups you see in baseball, you get through the first three or four, and you're like, okay, I got a little breather here. You know, this guy can't hit the, the Padres, man. Gary Sanchez is dangerous, and Tatis, and Soto, and Machado, and Cronenworth. I mean, that whole that whole lineup. I'm like, when does the lineup turn over? When, when, where's the some of the easy at-bats? So to do it against those guys, to do it against Soto, and as Bob Melvin, former Mariners manager, said after the game, and he didn't watch every one of Logan's starts, but he can't imagine him ever being better. It was up, it was down, it was in, it was out, it was a fastball command, it was good. a slider, and then it was a splitter. 
I thought the splitter might have been his best pitch last night. I mean, just yeah. everything he threw. So, yeah, now the Mariners have won six straight. They've won eight of their last nine. They've won 13 of their last 15. Pretty impressive. Rangers do win last night in Oakland. Blue Jays lose. one nothing. by the way. I was watching that game. Mariners are still six and a half back in the division, but only two back in the wild card and only one in the loss column. They get two games in hand over the Blue Jays. So, this just got real interesting, right? I mean, this is kind of where right you needed you, them man. to get to. Yep. Pretty pretty fantastic. Yeah, there are a lot of us. Raise my hand. Very impatient through those first 50 to the next 50. Very, very impatient. Very frustrated. This isn't what we were supposed to be. But this is a long game. And this manager and this GM and this organization played the long game. And as I shot you in my show note last night, I do think that that's buttressed and reinforced this team. It's given them some gas and some fuel for those veteran players and for Logan himself. Logan heard the whispers. Logan heard the rumors. He was asked about them. And for this team to not deal him and not move him and him to, him to come out and perform at his very best when they need him, pretty awesome. Here's the second thing you need to well, know. Well, you mentioned that rotation, Brock. It's really been the foundation for this team, but unfortunately going to have yet another transition. This time it's Brian Wu who's going to exit with a sore forearm. How serious is it? I don't think we know the answer to that yet. You never want to hear about forearms because oftentimes forearms turn into elbows because that's kind of where the UCL is. And the next thing you know, you're talking about the dreaded Tommy John surgery and Wu's had some arm issues in the past. On the other hand, sometimes it's just a little forearm soreness and he came out of his start felt okay he had his uh, next bullpen and just didn't feel like he bounced back as much as he normally did so what do the Mariners do exactly what you should put a young player like him on the IL let him sit for 15 days and I think they kind of wanted to do that anyway so good just let him take a rest and hopefully this just goes away and it's not an issue moving forward plus we'll get a first look at emerson hancock who was their first round pick a few years ago he's only 24 and uh, basically sounds like everybody else in this rotation Mm. mid to high 90s tall right hander a couple of breaking pitches excellent command you know just like everyone else Yes, and when you were getting at that inning total, right? And Jerry said this to us every Thursday. They're going to be creative. Look at the way we've done this in the past. We know what we do and and how we do it when it comes to our pitching especially. And Brian Wu's innings are starting to ramp up. I think he's nearing like 100 innings now between AA and the major leagues. Way, way, way more than anything he's done over the last three or four seasons. So also comes at an, an opportune time to, yeah, maybe shut him down a little bit. And now we get to see the guy that I think a lot of us have been waiting on. And I know he's been waiting for this call. (laughs) He's watched all of his buddies, right? He's even watched relievers down there from Arkansas make their way to Seattle time and again ahead of him. He'll get the ball. He'll get the call. And uh, it should be a good one tonight. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. He goes against you, Darvish, and the Padres. Here's the third thing you need to know. A couple of injuries all of a sudden, Brock, starting to mount at Seahawks camp. None of them are overly concerning yet, but you just look at the practice report yesterday. No Devin Witherspoon, D. Eskridge, Damian Lewis, Ken Walker, Joey Blunt, Dariq Young. I mean, like that's actually starting to add up. And it's a bunch of wide receivers as well, which kind of cleared the way for uh, ISL great Jake Bobo to uh, battle with the ones yesterday. You love your Bobo. Well... Yeah. A lot I mean, of us Husky fans have a tough time with a receiver named Bobo because it was a different Bobo that did a bunch of damage to the Seahawks in the snow back in the day with Drew Bledsoe over there in Pullman. This Bobo is crafty now. This Bobo, he's not fast, no. but he's got feet. 
And usually, like, slower guys, you know, 4'8", 4'9", guys don't have tremendous feet, side-to-side and agility, but he does, and he knows how to use his frame. And and who's the other kid that Cody Thompson that just continues to make plays and deliver as well? So, hey, man, if we have seen one thing over the years in 14 years with Pete, if you're on that sidelines and you're not available, that next man up, man, it's real. And some of those dudes, Doug Baldwin, never look back. You give me an opportunity, and I'm going to take it, and I'm going to run with it. And I think Thursday night, this first one in particular, with the litany of injuries that you just mentioned right there, is going to give a bunch of these young guys some primetime opportunities. All right, there you go. That is everything you need to know. Uh, we do that quarter past every hour here on the Brock and Salk Show. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I just got to say something. We're 22 minutes in. I'm not even going to use my, my cool kids speak anymore, but... The fact that we did not mention 23 minutes and now the level of defense last night, mm-hmm. right? I mentioned third, sixth, and eighth and whip and what these guys are doing. But my goodness gracious, Julio, not only going up and taking the home run, was the one in the gap maybe even more impressive? I, mean, I think so. I think that, actually like, of the above, three, the one, he, the one he took back was probably the third most impressive behind the one he came in on and the one he got in the left center gap. I think, Justin, did you write this last night? Like just a uh, young man's speed and a grown man body. Yeah. Yep. Like it is his legs. Mm-hmm. He is. I'm not going to say, okay, this is a big stretch. So don't, don't write this down. I'm not going to say Bo Jackson in the outfield, but as far as his speed <laughs> and size, we have seen speedy center fielders. Kiermaier is an amazing center fielder. Dave we have seen good. Dave Cameron was, uh, was Julio light. I mean, Mike, excuse me, Mike Cameron. Well, Dave Cameron's a good talker. Mike Cameron, <laughs> a little bit Julio light size wise, and he could get up and absolutely go. Obviously the kid, but Julio, man, there's just something about like 6'3", 230. Remember when running we didn't think speed? he was a center fielder, too? We were like, oh, they're not going to play center field. Like, well, come I on. Oh, he is really phenomenal out there. He Gosh. showed it once well, again last right, night. And you're right, Brock. He said post-game that the diving grab on Cooper was harder than yeah. the route to run. Yeah. Pitching goes with defense like peanut butter goes with jelly. And they got it going, man. <laughs> That's for Chocolate sure. Chocolate and peanut butter. Keep it going because I'm on fleek. Let's go, Jeff <laughs> I Passon. It. I mean, Let's I don't have anything passing. else to say. Brock's on fleek <laughs> and Jeff Passon is next that should be a good combo it's brock and salk sales sports on 710 this this is brock and salk powered through the alaska airline studio back in mornings from 6 to 10 on seattle sports and the seattle sports app well, generally, we talk to Jeff Pass on Tuesdays, but uh, we moved him to today to accommodate Jeff. Good morning, sir. How are you feeling? I'm doing okay, gentlemen. How are you? We're doing really, really well. Uh, we missed you yesterday, but it's still fun to talk to you. As the Mariners are all of the sudden the hottest team in baseball, and you know we, we've spoken a few times during this stretch, but at first it didn't really seem to register that they were playing as well as they are, and now all of a sudden you look up and it's six straight, and what is it, eight of nine and, and 13 of 15, like all of a sudden you can't deny it. This is a team that is red hot. Not just red hot, the Mariners are playing like we thought they were going to for the entirety of the season, right? Like, this is the team that I think on opening day all of us envisioned was going to show up. And it was absent for the first, what, three and a half months of the season? I mean, really like the entirety of the first half. The Mariners were just playing mediocre, uninspired baseball. And that they have come out of the trade deadline when they sold and turned into one of the best teams in baseball. I mean, I, you know, I did power rankings last night and I think I had them eighth. Um, 
maybe ninth. I think they're ninth overall for from all the voters in, in our power rankings that are going to be coming out tomorrow. Uh, now they may be coming out today. But either way, the, uh, the, the Mariners are playing baseball that demands to be seen right now. And it's really nice to watch because I think all of us believed that it was still somewhere in this team. Uh, they just couldn't find it. Now that they found it, uh, it's a pretty cool thing to see. Jeffrey is a friend uh, who shares back pain every once in a while. I'm going to let you take this whatever way you want to. You can do it philosophically. You can take it psychologically. You can take it statistically, whatever you want to do. If you were to answer why, why since July 1, this team has been the team, and, and maybe even more. I mean, they have just been phenomenal, certainly pitching. But take it whatever way you want. Salt and I tried to answer it the other day. Salt gave a great answer you probably won't beat. But I'm curious from your perspective since July 1, why has this team turned it on? I would, I would love to know before I answer what Mike's such a great answer. Well, yeah, okay. I'm, I'm trying to remember what it was, too. It, it's just baseball. <laughs> I just said it's, it was just baseball. It's just like, baseball. It was tremendous. I'm done I mean, it trying was, to figure this stuff out, man. Like, Pass it. I don't know if you can beat it. He said, listen to this. Seriously. I mean, write this down. It's just baseball. It's just baseball. I mean, he's not wrong, but... I think there is a confluence of factors and primary among them is that they have had the best pitching in baseball since June 1st, or excuse me, since July 1st. Um, They have the best ERA at 3.32. They are striking out more hitters than every team, I believe outside of Milwaukee and Minnesota. Um, They're not walking anybody. Uh, and they've had some luck on their side, too. You know, the, the batting average on balls in play, which for the league uh, this year is, I believe, around 296. Mariners have a 270. So clearly they're turning batted balls into outs. And I would love to sit here and say, yeah, the offense has turned. No, the, the offense is the offense. And, and if the Mariners don't make the postseason this year, uh, fans are going to rightly lament the lack of bats and uh, you know we can keep going back to my ill-advised comment uh leading into the season here where i was wrong about them not having enough i still don't think they have enough offense uh but that's how good their pitching is the fact that they're calling up emerson hancock and that over the last what is it two yeah, i guess with gilbert you can go back a little further but really over the last two years, they have brought up Logan Gilbert, George Kirby, Bryce Miller, Brian Wu, and now Emerson Hancock. They have essentially developed a full rotation internally. That is a ridiculous thing to do over the course of two years. And it's like they're not missing either. That's the wild part. So I want to go back to... Uh, when the Kansas City Royals were just starting to turn things around, because I think this is very illustrative. They had four left-handed pitchers who were among the top 100 prospects in baseball. And at the time, I remember talking with the executives, and my general consensus when you have four starting pitchers who are good in the minor leagues is if you end up with one good starter and one good reliever out of those four, you're doing pretty well. The fact that the Mariners have had not just the four in Gilbert, Kirby, Miller, and Wu, 
turn into what looks like really good big league starters. Um, but now they have another in Hancock coming on top of that. It, it's a ridiculous success rate, the sort of thing you typically see only with the Cleveland Guardians, who have three rookies on their staff this year, all of whom seem to be one-upping each other every night. Uh, but that, that, to me, is why there's a lot of hope for this Mariners team going forward, because when you have a stable rotation in place, you have taken care of arguably the most difficult thing to do in baseball, which is get a starting staff that's going to make your bullpen better because it can go deep into games. And that's what the Mariners have right now. They, they have cheat-coded pitching, and it's a beautiful thing to see play out in real time. It's a, it's a great uh, tour through what the Mariners have done the last few years there, Jeff. And you can even add to it Brandon Williamson, who they traded, and, yeah. and throw, in Matt, throw in Matt Brash, who became the reliever that you were talking about. I mean, it's it really is pretty phenomenal when you think about all of that pitching on one team. So with that in mind and sort of seeing where they're at, handicap this AL playoff race. Mariners are two games back at Toronto today, one game in the wild card. What do the next two months look like? I mean, the Jays are a good team, man. Like, the Jays are a very good team. Their pitching's good. They've got a better lineup um, than than the Mariners do. Like, they're going to be tough to catch. Um, the Astros, I don't think the, the Mariners, even though they're three and a half back of them, are going to catch them or the Rangers. Um, to me, the really interesting team to keep an eye on yep, is I know the Tampa Bay Rays. Yep. Uh, I don't think the Rays are going to lose a playoff spot, right? They are currently seven games up on the Mariners. But Shane McClanahan's not pitching for the rest of this year. Jeffrey Springs and Drew Rasmussen already were out. Tyler Glass now has a back thing right now, and who knows how long that's going to keep him out. Um, Josh Fleming is on the injured list and throwing down in the minor leagues, but he's Josh Fleming. I mean, right now, if you look at the the Rays' rotation, uh, it's an unmitigated disaster. And frankly, they haven't been playing great baseball otherwise. The offense has certainly taken a step back from what we've seen over the first couple of months. Now, I will say this. Their bullpen's really, really good, and it's really deep, and they're going to be getting Andrew Kittredge back as well. So uh, if anyone can paper it over, it's the Rays. They're, they're used to doing this by now. They've been without a really good rotation for years and still somehow have won. But I think the Rays are vulnerable at this point. And uh, it wouldn't altogether shock me to see them fall even closer back to the pack. And granted, we're talking, guys, right now about a Mariners team that's at its apex this year. We can't expect this mm-hmm. type of play for the remainder of the season. But at very least, they've given themselves a shot. And that's all you really wanted to see from this team after the, the way the first three months went, right? Well, you after, just wanted to see yep. you wanted to see it play like you knew it could play. And that's exactly what it's done. I'll tell you this, Jeffrey. I mean, we're so close to it. Uh, they've got San Diego today, an off day, and then the Orioles. And then I don't know if you've looked at their schedule in August. 
the Mariners, like it's uh, yep. the Royals, it's the A's, it's the White Sox, it's yep. the Royals. I yep. mean, it is some fertile ground against teams that have they've given it up. So that that's Royals a big has been like one of the best teams in baseball over the last week or two. It's crazy. I saw, that's just baseball. Sorry, it's yes, just baseball. you're right. That's, uh, yeah, 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 Mike. If we want to talk about that, that's just, just baseball. baseball. Yeah. That's just baseball. It's right just baseball. There. Jeffrey, when did you join us as the wet blanket? Do you, do you remember how many how many years ago was that that the wet blanket came aboard? Has it been five, six years, uh, something like that? I don't know if it's it had, I, at least four years. Okay, right? feels like forever. I'm gonna say, and I don't know if Salk will, <laughs> I don't know if Salk will agree with me on this, <laughs> but I'm gonna say save for Pete Carroll. It's really fun, and all the other shots, you know, that he's taken at Salk and I. I don't know if we played more clips of of a guest than you on our show. We play you a lot, and wow. we played you earlier this week talking about Julio. This team goes as Julio goes. We talked about you earlier with uh, Julio is fill in the blank, and you said a showman. And last night, did you see his home run saving catch? Did you see it the theatrics? Was, it was it was so good. <laughs> it was so good because he. Here's the thing: all of us have been in a position where we know we're going to reveal something to someone that is going to surprise them, right? And it's it's waiting for the right moment to reveal it that makes the difference between something that's kind of cool and something that's very memorable. And I applaud Julio for waiting as long as he did (laughs) because everyone was fooled, including the announcers, including his teammates. He could have sold it a little bit better with his face. Like he had this little tiny smile that you could tell he was trying to suppress. (laughs) But finally, when he opened up his glove, like the moment of joy and shock and surprise. And then looking back at the slow motion replay and seeing just how damn good a catch that was. Oh my goodness. That was fun to see. And it is quintessential Julio Rodriguez. Well, and then just seeing the reaction from Tatis was awesome. I mean, like game recognized game, right? Like, all right, (laughs) you you got me. That's pretty awesome. I, I was a, it was just one of those cool moments that you see last night. Hey, let me, let me just sort of ask you about a guy that we keep forgetting to talk about enough and, and it's on us, but JP Crawford, has endured any amount of being overlooked in his career and the number of people who wanted someone else to be in that spot. And you look at him now, he's been their most, he's been really their only consistent hitter all year long. Yeah. Who, how, how important is JP Crawford to what the Mariners have accomplished in the last few weeks? I'll tell you what JP Crawford is right now. JP Crawford right now is who he was supposed to be when he was coming to the big league. Yeah. He's a guy who, uh, plays you a solid enough shortstop. You know, I, I, I don't think he's been quite the gold glove uh, type guy he was back in like 21, but um, the offensive side, it's just, it's beyond base. It's, it's the fact that you have a guy who's walking, you know, in almost 15% of his plate appearances and who's got a career high in home runs already. And who, you just know he's going to be there and be a pest, right? Like he's, he's a good base runner. Um, but when, when he was in the minor leagues, uh, you know, he was in double a at 20, 21 years old, getting on base 40% of the time. And it's like, Oh my goodness, this guy's going to be a leadoff hitter, uh, a top, a, a, you know, big league lineup for the next decade. That's exactly what he looked like. And, 
yet you look at him for what's he been with the Mariners now? Five years. Um, the the first four seasons, when it came to getting on base, he just looked like he had settled into that, you know, 33, 34% of the time, somewhere in there. And that's who he is now. Um, Did you know that he, he went to driveline a, in the off season? Yeah. I mean, that's uh I mean, Pastor knows everything. No, I actually. What do you mean, yeah? You can't say yeah like I'm an idiot and then say no, you didn't know. You wrote a book that introduced the world to Driveline. I wasn't sure if maybe you knew that he had gone there. Oh, boy. Here's what I was saying. If you would allow me, if you would not try and take my words and twist them as you did on Twitter earlier this week, rewrite, man. Rewrite over here. Oh, so clever and make things all about Seattle because the rest of the world doesn't exist. I was saying, yeah, it doesn't surprise me that something like that happened. I did not know. So maybe I should have, Michael, yes. said, no, I didn't realize that. Well, but I was only asking you about I'm it. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry for my misleading response there. Is yeah. there anything else that you would like to add before well, I I thought you would find it interesting, having written a book that introduced me and many others, probably millions of others, to Driveline and how awesome it is billions. on the pitching side. I thought you might be interested in what they were able to do with a hitter like, like J.P. Crawford and what the future may be for an organization like Driveline. But, hey, if that's not interesting to you, if you want to just immediately say no, I totally understand that, too. Maybe you've lost your curiosity. In fact, Mike, that is very interesting to me. So, please, can you inform me what he did at Driveline? I actually don't know, but you're the, you're the big reporter. I figured you'd want to go down and, you know, write another oh, book about J.P. Crawford. I see. So you had one little thing with no context, <laughs> and now you want me to do the work. Yes. I got yes. Mm-hmm. Pass him. What did he? Do? You didn't like. You didn't Pass like him, the rewrite. What, what I made? did he do on Twitter? Pass him. What did he do on Twitter for those that didn't see it? So I, I mean, I feel like people in Seattle are going to actually appreciate what I said. Essentially, I said the Angels are a tire fire disaster right now, who have lost seven in a row since they decided to go all in True. in a misguided effort to try and keep Shohei Otani around long term. And Mike's like. Rewrite the Seattle Mariners have won however many in a row, and they're this, and they're that. Like, two things can exist at once, my man. Can they not? Absolutely. That was the whole point of my rewrite, showing you that, you know, there's two ways to write that story. Maybe it's that Anaheim is a tire fire. Uh Maybe it's that the Mariners made them a tire fire, as they seem to be as hot as the Angels are cold. I'm just reminding you that, you know, these things happen. Mr. Angelos reached out to Salk and said, would you mind rewriting this? That's (laughs) kind of what happened. (laughs) Thank you, Jeffrey. You're the best, buddy. Appreciate it, man. Glad you're feeling better. We'll talk to you next week. See you, boys. There you go. There's Jeff Passon. (laughs) <laughs> for ESPN. Uh, yeah. Oh, I wasn't sure if he had seen it. He never commented on it or anything. It's funny, so man. Never know. Everybody keeps their receipts in their own oh, different yeah. ways. <laughs> and Jeffrey may not be Lewis Riddick <laughs> come out of the tag. But you are. He had that in his pocket. Oh, and he yeah. was ready. And he was ready for he, you. He was ready for me. Yeah. Well, I'll stand by what I wrote. <laughs> That's for sure. Let's do some Blue care. 88. I like to be annoyed. Yeah. Let's go to Blue 88, please. Hey! This is Rock and Sox Blue 88. Blue 88! Blue 88!
We take you to the field as Brock Heward breaks down three football questions as only he can. Now here's your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. Here's here's what I wrote. Jeff had written the Los Angeles Angels have now lost six consecutive games after falling 3-2 to Seattle in extra innings. They're 56-57 on the season. Seven games back at Toronto for the final AL wildcard spot. Still have to leapfrog Boston, New York, and Seattle, too. Yikes. I just changed it to the Seattle Mariners have now won five straight games and seven of eight after beating Anaheim three to two in extras. They're 60 and 52 on the season, six behind Texas and two and a half behind Toronto for the final AL wildcard spot. They have leapfrogged Boston, New York and the Angels, too. Wow. Just, you know, trying to turn his negative into a positive, Uh which is sort of what I've become known for, Brock. Question number one for you. Uh, uh, We saw both Michael Bennett and Cliff Averill around the team quite a bit recently. What kind of value can they bring? A bunch. I I mean, I think as much when they are invested the way they are, I think they can bring as much value, more value than any even coach can. And I know they've got this pass rush specialist, and I can't wait to watch that story evolve. And when Mark Schler told us, and I don't know if he said this on the air or off the air, but he was like, bro, Derek Hall's pass rush moves. I, I've never seen a rookie do this. Well, it's kind of like Tariq Woolen is a fifth-round you know, roadrunner. He couldn't play corner. Derek Hall was a second-round guy because, well, he didn't have a plethora of moves at Auburn. He was speed to power, and he is at it. So that's not Mike Brennett or Cliff Averill or this pass rush specialist or Clint Hurt. It's all of them. It's all of them. And when you can add in that voice, right, it's like when Peyton Manning goes to University of Tennessee and works with their quarterbacks. <laughs> you think that's influential? Like, you think you're going to listen, you know, when, when these D linemen, and especially like the Mike Morrises of the world, mm-hmm. who've got to make it, right? Not a first round, not a second round, not a guaranteed deal. Like, you've got to make it. And you've got some skill sets that can parallel and mirror a Michael Bennett. You're going to listen. And I thought Dre Jones was really good yesterday. He was asked. Uh, after practice a bunch at the press conference about it and he's like you know they just it's helpful it's little tidbits it's be willing to be sneaky be willing to be crafty be willing to to go for it be willing to hit that green light be willing to step on that accelerate trust your instincts and those instincts come from time on task so i think it's been phenomenal to have cliff and 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 mike be there and pete certainly loves it too yeah they definitely are and uh they they'll you know they'll respond to them a little differently you know because of their their history and all that and they, they're well known and these guys know you know they they, they have a, a thought and then all of a sudden they're they're facing you know Michael Bennett and, and what he's going to say I don't either you know so I'm kind of the same as them and there's some things so like I, I remember playing QB I just remember this so vividly God bless them your Boston College Northeast just firecracker redheaded firecracker Glenn Glenn, Foley. oh yeah and we're in our meeting room my rookie here it's Kitna Foley me right. And uh, Mike Shepard, QB coach, super great guy, terrific coach, totally detailed guy, a little nervous Nelly, but really nice guy, was like, John, this is so easy. This is scat, Hank, just, this is easy. And Foley, in the meeting, turned to Shep, and is like, don't ever say that again. You never played. You don't know. There is nothing easy on this field. I'd appreciate it if you'd take, take those words out. Like, and, and Shep did. He's like, you know what, Glenn, you're right, man. I'm sorry, I, I haven't played, and I know nothing is easy, and this game moves really, really fast. So just that unique player <laughs> perspective is sometimes very, very valuable. All right, question number two. 
Schleiderth also said yesterday that the secondary could be as good as any in the NFL, maybe even deeper than the Legion of Boom. Brock, is that possible? Can I hear that again? I, I need, hear, here I we need go. to you know, I need back to end. I think that back end is as talented as any back end uh, on a defense that I like this. And I just want to clarify at this point he was talking about the secondary. He wasn't still talking about Derek Hall. <laughs> this is deeper than the Legion of Boom, and I know that's sacrilege here, but they've got they have just got dudes. Woolen is a dude. Michael Jackson played great. Trey Brown is great, you know. You feel um, more like you're no fly zone, to be honest with you. Yeah, they they've just got they have got, and then I, I will tell you, man, covering Julian Love for the Giants, Julian Love's a football playing Jesse. Man, that dude can play, and you know, and all of a sudden you're like, hey, if Jamal take your time coming back, and if you come back, you're gonna play, you know, you're gonna play weak side linebacker for us. There was no qualifying that. He said this group is deeper than the LLB. I'm not there yet. <laughs> yeah, let's maybe uh, wait on uh, that one. <laughs> I'm not quite there yet. Remember that LOB, like in 12, 13? Every guy they cut went on and started somewhere. I, I played. And it and diminished from there as guys got paid and, and you had kind of younger guys or draft picks. But like that original LOB. It's pretty good. And, and what's different and why I kind of popped in there with the no-fly zone, that's what Denver called themselves. And to me, they're a little more representative of that. The Champ Bailey and that crew that could flat-out cover. The LOB, Salk, they would knock your lights out. Browner, Cam, Earl, Sherm. So they got a little little more to prove to me on that one. All right, question number three. Brock, we're going to get to see this team finally tomorrow. What position group should be a strength and maybe an area of concern? Yeah, I think a strength is going to be watching these these young rushers and linebackers and Boye and, and Derek Hall and watching these guys fly around. The concern is, who, do you know who's playing running back tomorrow besides DJ? I don't. Do we know who's playing? Because no. Charbonnet's not going to play. K-9's not going to play. Kenny's not going to play. So, yeah, it's going to be pretty thin for Drew Locke, right? Gino, for his series, going to have DJ. DJ knows what to do, where to go, and whom to block. Drew's going to have some real young people around him in that huddle <laughs> at running back for sure. All right, that is today's Blue 88. Uh, good stuff there, Brock, as always. And uh, we got some more football to talk here in the 8 o'clock hour. Albert Breer going to join us. He was at practice, uh, what, last week, Thursday, I think it was. So uh, we'll talk to him, see what he took away from it last year. He was the one who's first seemed to notice how the weight of the world had been lifted from this organization mm-hmm. and how loose they seemed without Russell Wilson there. We'll see what he was able to determine this year after spending some time. So we'll do that at 8.30. We also have our most intriguing countdown we're on to number 13 and the guy we're about to talk about apparently is a football playing jesse maybe that's a little too obvious but it's next on brock and salt